Sarah, I, I don't buy that. I mean, I just... Sarah always... See, every Thursday she tells me how good-looking I am because I have to do work. Right. After the to, show. You have to record stuff after the show. So yeah. she, she... And she's been doing this for years. And today yeah. you said, for the first time, I, I don't believe you. Which was interesting. I kind of thought you didn't believe her the whole time. No, but. I mean, I chose to believe her. You know, mm-hmm. I knew she was lying to me. She was just trying to make it easy that I have to do a bunch of work that I don't want to do on Thursdays. Right. Um, but uh, today, I just saw through the mask entirely. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe you. So, there you go. Uh, but you were looking, what did she say, sporty? She said no. dashing. Dashing. Yeah, dashing. which I, I think Very. is, because I have to do now work that I don't want to do. Yeah. As well, and now yeah. she's starting to compliment so, me. Which yeah. I, but I believe her still. But you're you 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 <laughs> now don't believe her. I believe I am dashing. Right. Well, in a 1920s sort of horribly disfigured sort of way. Yeah, that's Very what I was dashing. thinking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Today's podcast, a lot of information. We talk about the president's speech last night and why it is so important. We talk about the DOJ and this um, executive order that still. Even though 50 congressmen and senators have asked for this executive order to be released, we still don't know what the plan is for Election Day. Uh, something the DOJ says that they're going to start implementing next week and they're going to be there. They're going to watch. I have no idea what it means, but we'll get you a little closer to the truth with uh, one of our guests. We also have an amazing Republican, Hispanic Republican woman. Uh, woman. Cassie Garcia, and uh, she she talks about her opponent who's taken a little money from the drug cartel, but it's only the most d- dangerous drug cartel out there. Oh, good. Yeah, so we got that. And the latest in the poll numbers. So stand by. It's a great podcast. We should also mention uh, Blaze TV election coverage. It's That'd a big deal. Yeah, we got one of the bigger discounts I've ever seen them do. 30 bucks off a subscription to Blaze TV. If you go to blazetv.com slash midterms, use the promo code Red Wave, and you can win there. We're going to be doing election coverage from 8 to midnight Eastern uh, on Blaze TV. We're going to go even later than that, as long as I can last on my YouTube channel into the wee hours of the morning, youtube.com slash America, And of course, subscribe to the podcast. And we have uh, people that are going to be at all of the big election headquarters. In fact, somebody's going to be with Ron DeSantis. So we're going to be able to oh, cool. get that feeling with Ron DeSantis and, and so much more. So don't miss the election night coverage here on Blaze TV. Podcast today brought to you by Relief Factor. In pain, get out of pain. Oh no, I've already tried that. I, have you tried everything? Have you tried everything? I thought I had. I was in such pain, I could barely even use my hands anymore. And uh, uh, my wife, I'd been to the Mayo Clinic. They couldn't nail it down, and we couldn't treat it. And uh, it went on for years. And I thought, this is it. I mean, I can't live like this the rest of my life. I got my life back because my wife said, try it. Just try it. I'm like, it's not going to work. It's like ibuprofen. Except it has four different ingredients that are going to attack inflammation. I never thought inflammation would be something that, uh, you know, a, a capsule would be able to help me with. It does. I got my life back. Get your life back. The life you love with a drug-free and natural way. It's relieffactor.com. Get the three-week quick start. Relieffactor.com. Here's the podcast. The best of the Glenn Beck program. So Joe Biden.
Biden spoke last night and his DOJ is considering laws that would uh, put people in prison for misinformation. But I don't think they understand what misinformation is, quite honestly. Uh, They're now saying that this is from The Washington Post, that releasing the video on Paul Pelosi is just a way to extend the conspiracy theory. Now, I don't think anything happened there except this. A crazy hippie went down a rabbit hole, went even more crazy, and tried to kill or hobble Nancy Pelosi. That's what happened. That's what happened. Except the Washington Post talks about how um, the conspiracy theories are spread the same reason that QAnon itself did, that there are reward mechanisms for sowing doubt that don't exist for sharing the less exciting truth. There are political rewards. Certainly various political actors got new surges in attention by spreading false claims about the attack. It is the same as suggesting that authorities have been lying about an audience builder since the days of UFO chatter on AM radio. You mean the ones that now the Pentagon is verifying? I just want to throw that out there. So they go in to say that, look, the conspiracies don't happen because you don't have the information. Conspiracies happen because you do give them the information. And you give these people, release the video, release the video. What are you hiding? If information is suppressed, it reinforces the conspiracy theory. If it's released, it becomes evidence that contributes to the conspiracy theory. Colored yarn is pinned to it and pinned to another another, uh, cork board. Um, Okay, so great. Yeah, that's the way people are. But... That's not a reason for not releasing information. The, he quotes uh, the Lawrence Lessig's uh, 2009 essay against transparency, in which he warned publishing information in the interest of governmental transparency would simply give people scads of material to generate their own narratives. So they're arguing now that the government should not release information. In what world does that make sense? I will explain. In the world of the Washington Post, Megan McArdle of the Washington Post has just written a story where she believes that the media was mistaken to report on the public comments and expressions of a prominent figure who was running for president, who was hosting campaign rallies attended by thousands. She said, we were responsible for Trump. Wow. And she said, we covered him, but we didn't get the effect we were hoping for. What effect were you hoping for? Let me ask you, as a journalist, you are to journal the news. You're supposed to tell people what happened today. You're not supposed to steer us like sheep. McCardle believes she and her peers failed the public, but she believes the voters failed even more. They're supposed to look at what the media is saying and come to the same conclusion. There's a great article on this in in The Federalist. So she says that 
rather than leaping to condemn his every pronouncement, we should just treat Trump's Twitter account the way we would treat some random account with five followers. We just ignore them. They're beneath our notice. That's called a blackout. McArdle's former Post colleague, The Federalist, points out, Margaret Sullivan also said last month the old-style journalism will no longer suffice in political coverage. Instead, she said all her little friends should be thinking about what coverage serves the public best. In other words, what serves her interest or the media's interest or her collection of friends' interest. They don't know everyone in the country. Yet they are steering everyone into the country on their belief because they are convinced that they're right. This is extraordinarily dangerous. By the way, the FBI official that was one of the head guys that suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story is still involved in the government's disinformation role. This is one of the guys making the decisions. Now, another question. This one comes from Reason. Have you seen what they're charging Pelosi's attacker with? And, and I have to tell you, he should go to prison or a mental institution like John Hinckley did. Okay? We're letting John Hinckley out now. I don't think we should do that. You, you attack somebody like that, you go to jail forever. However, th- this man should be put away, and I want that to be very, very clear. What he did was very wrong. We have no place in our society for it. But they, uh, they are charging him and really double charging him everywhere, everywhere. Um, he, according to the Justice Department, they're prosecuting him for violating, you know, some statute which applies to someone who assaults a member of U.S. officials immediate family with intent to retaliate against that official on account of the performance of the official duties. When the assault results in bodily injury, it's punishable up to 30 years. They're also violated saying he violated uh, 18 U.S.C. 1201, which applies to someone who attempts to kidnap a federal official on account of performance of official duties. He also faces six state charges. Some of them overlap with the federal charges. The state charges include first-degree residential burglary, assault with a deadly deadly weapon, elderly abuse, false imprisonment, and threatening a member of an elected official's immediate family. He is also charged with attempted first-degree murder. Okay, I, I, I have to tell you, I'm sure, I'm sure many of these things are accurate, okay? I'm not an attorney. Here's what I'm concerned of. Is Paul Pelosi's life more important than anyone else? Is Paul Pelosi's, uh, I mean, is uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband more important than the mom in Buffalo? I don't know if you've been following this. Kathy Hochul says the system absolutely failed. There was a guy who was arrested, 45 years old, Adam Benningfield. He was arrested because of the savage beating of his estranged wife. 
But because of the changes the Democrats have made in cash-free bail, he couldn't be held. And so he leaves, and this mother of three is executed by this guy. Now the mother of the former wife is holding Hochul and saying, what are you doing? Of course we care about crime. He was in jail and there was no bail for a domestic violence incident. So he left. Hochul has said, yes, the laws could use some tweaking. Tweaking? You are throwing the book at this guy who deserves the book to be thrown at him in San Francisco. But how many other people in San Francisco have been raped or murdered and nobody paid attention to it? Do you see what's happening? You don't matter. You don't matter to the press. You don't matter to the elites. By the way, what happened to uh, what happened to Katie Hobbs? Is Katie Hobbs going to be uh, held for misinformation because she came out and blamed Carrie Lake for someone breaking into her office? And Carrie Lake said, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I had nothing to do with it. Nobody I know would have anything to do with it. We're winning in the first place. But that didn't stop Katie Hobbs. Even after they caught the guy, still might have been influenced, might have been influenced by Kerry Lake. No, no. Actually, the guy that they arrested was an illegal alien. He had been arrested earlier in the day and then released. Do you see a pattern here? Yeah, but we're talking about violence against really how about the shooting that the media barely covered when the guy who had worked for the Bernie Sanders campaign. And I don't blame Bernie Sanders for this. But they don't give me that. No, no, no. I've got to blame every Republican. Uh, really, how about the guy who went to the ball game? Does anyone even remember this in the press? That tried to kill the Republicans on the field. It would have wiped out almost all of the Republicans in one day. Is that a threat to democracy? They barely mentioned it. Look, we don't have a democracy, we have a republic. And there's an important difference. And if you don't know the difference, just look it up. It's important. The founders knew democracy always fails quickly and rolls into a totalitarian state. That's why we have all of the safeguards that we are now getting rid of. But our republic truly is at stake. And Tuesday... Am I the only one that got up this morning and started reading polls, which, by the way, Stu is going to go into? Don't listen to these polls. Don't listen. They're registered voter polls. They are trying to make you feel like, oh, crap, we're going to lose. But I have to tell you, 
I got up this morning and I thought, geez, you know, we've been very optimistic lately. But by Wednesday, a week from yesterday, we could be looking at each other going, dear God, what is going to come now? It has to stop. The madness has to have a speed bump at least or a roadblock. And I just read that there is like 10 percent of or 17 percent of Republicans in Georgia. They're not sure they're going to vote because they're not sure. You're not sure. Be sure of this. If you don't put up a roadblock. We will not have a democracy and a republic. We will not be following the Constitution at all. Please, please don't risk that. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. CassieForCongress.com uh, is uh, the home where you can find out how you can assist and help uh, Cassie Garcia. Hi, Cassie. How are you? Hi, Glenn. I'm doing great. Thank Good. you so much. I'm honored to be on with you this morning. Thank you. Now, tell me about your race, because this is a district that has gone double digit uh, Democratic in, in the past, and it's not going that way this time. Why? So there's so many reasons why right now, you know, this district is a toss up race, one of the 28 races to watch in the country. Uh, uh, the Democrats are destroying the country that I love so much that I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley past 37 years. I'm a conservative Republican. Uh, the Democrat Party has left the Hispanic community and we're seeing the failed Biden queer Pelosi agenda. And we don't support open border. We don't look. And as a lifelong South Texan and the wife of a border patrol agent, I don't like what we're seeing in this country. You know, look, the border's broken, prices are out of control, and people can't find doctors in our community. What do you and mean so people can't are, find doctors? So four of the nine counties in this district do not even have a doctor. Do not even have a doctor. And Henry Quayer has been in office since 1987. Oh, my gosh. Since I've been in kindergarten. And what do we have gone? You know, he's under a criminal investigation for corruption. People are ready for a change. They're waking up. Hispan- I'm meeting Democrats, Glenn, every single day that said, Kathy, I voted for you. I voted Republican because we talk about our values of faith, family, and freedom. So what is the – how is the border um, – debate that is going on in america how is that affecting your community and what is the take from the hispanic community on what's happening at the border that's a great question you know any part of the community in district 20 whether i'm on the border down real grand in in real grand city star county in laredo up in san antonio guadalupe county people on their top issues on their mind when i'm talking republicans and democrats and independents they're telling me kathy what is happening at the border why has the administration done anything to secure our communities i met a mother um who lost a daughter to fentanyl she was 17 years Mm. old she died july 20th this year Mm. i met a, a father last night that he lost his son he was 24 years old to fentanyl People are losing their children because they're thinking they're taking a sleeping aid pill and it's laced with fentanyl. We have a drug uh, crisis. We have a failed leadership crisis. We have a border crisis. And, you know, I have uh, Henry Cuellar, who's been in office for 18 years as a member of Congress, 
um, lost the endorsement from the National Border Patrol Council, who's always endorsed Henry Cuellar because, you know, he's a slick politician. He can go on TV, on Fox News, and say he's done, you know, everything to secure our southern border. But at the end of the day, he votes 95% of the time with Nancy Pelosi, 95% of the time. And he's lockstep with Joe Biden. And he voted against life-saving infrastructure. So the National Border Patrol Council has now endorsed me in this race. That is and fantastic. Talking, so, <laughs> and talking to voters on the ground, they're, they're tired of these failed policies, and that's impacting our hospital systems, our school systems. I bet. Uh, we're having bailouts every single day. Um, you know, the border is a mess. It's an invasion. It's an invasion, and we need to secure our border. You know what? The president of the United States has done nothing, nothing to, to secure the border. We have a Kamala, Kamala Harris, who's our borders are, who hasn't even visited the border. And so people are, are just frustrated. And my husband's a border patrol agent serving his great country for 26 years. And I will tell you, the men and women in green, they need support. They need the personnel, the technology, and the resources. And Henry Cuellar voted for a bill that's going to make inflation worse. And he said uh, he voted uh, to allow, he wants 87,000 more IRS agents we don't need 87,000 hours agents. We need 87,000 Border Patrol agents, custom officers, and security school officers to keep our community safe. So Henry, Henry Cuellar, he is, he's in trouble. You do say he's under investigation. It's some form. They say he's not the main person, but involved in something to do with Azerbaijan and corruption there. But also, uh, there is something that happened in... 2012 with him and his brother they got a donation from a guy who does uh you know who who lines the pockets of politicians for the drug cartels and that happened in 2012 and it came out or i should say it came out in 2012 but if i'm not mistaken uh, somebody was somebody was killed on the border by the zetas and uh, the mother came out and blamed Henry Cuellar and his brother and said, these guys are on the take. And only then did he return that money, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? That's, that's correct. You know, this story, you know, so I'll tell you this. People in, in my community are very disturbed by the, scan, the scandal. You know, it turns out that Henry Cuellar and his brother, who's a local sheriff in Webb County, took thousands of dollars from a convicted money launderer from Los Zetas, which is the most dangerous drug cartel in Mexico. Yeah, it's bad. And according to a federal indictment, you know, the money launderer's job was to funnel cash between the cartels and the corrupt politicians, which raises a lot of questions. Um, but look, this is part of a larger, larger pattern with Henry Cuellar. He's already under a very serious criminal investigation for corruption involving a foreign government. You know, and the voters in our community are fed up. We need a member of Congress who will focus solely on fixing the economy, securing the border, and bringing health care to South Texas. And you know, Glenn, because you're from Texas, we have entire counties down here without a single doctor. And Henry Quayer, who's been in office since I was in kindergarten, has failed us. And that's why, come November 8th, we are voting for a better way forward for our community, and we will see a big red wave here in South Texas. Uh, you, I mean, it's uh, that's quite an amazing thing. The, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, district is 70 percent um, Hispanic, which would lead people to believe that it's going to go to the Democrats. But things are changing rapidly. Um, let me ask you: I have not met any Latino that uh, likes being called a Latinx 
or Latinx. Um, and even this weekend, they were saying that Hispanics who are voting for Republicans are uneducated and they're uh, Latinx. What what who are these people that are trying to change Latinos? You know, when I first heard of Latinx or whatever you want to call it, I honestly thought it was some kind of new bleach line or something. You know, none of us know what it means. And this is a reminder of how out of touch the Democrats are with Hispanics. And it's not just on the culture level. The Biden-Pelosi gen is destroying our community. We've never seen inflation this bad. And the border is a mess. And people where I have to go to, people that I know talking to people in the community have to go to Mexico for doctor's appointments and mammograms. And as an American and a woman with a pre-existing condition, I think that this is just disgraceful. And that's why Hispanics are turning the page on Henry Cuellar, Joe Biden, and Nancy Pelosi's radical agenda. So, uh, Cassie Garcia, how can people help you? If we are five days away, and I'm asking... Wait, wait, wait. Let me say that. Let me say that. We are five (laughs) days away from the fundamental (laughs) transformation of the United States of America. That's we great. We are five days away from <laughs> fundamentally transforming yes. the United States yes. of America. So we're about to transform it back in five <laughs> days. Anyway. That's that's right. So if you want to get involved or help, go to Cassie for Congress, C-A-S-S-Y, for congress.com and every dollar raised will keep my commercial up on the air so we're asking for support help me flip the seat it's been democrat control for 110 years and i'm oh ready gosh. to send henry Quayer packing i will be the first hispanic female to ever represent this great district 28 so i'm ready they are ready for a change a voice a new voice in washington dc that's going to represent their values of faith family and freedom oh, i love you Cassie, I love you. Thank you so much. Good luck next week. Thank you so much, Glenn. Thank you for having me on. You bet. Cassie Garcia. I think that should be, this is historic, America. We are five days away (laughs) from the fundamental transformation because this is historic. This is a minority. This is a Hispanic and a Hispanic woman. They've never elected a Hispanic woman because they're so misogynistic, I guess. But this is historic. We can now change the world. I have hope for change. Let's break that glass ceiling together, shall we? Shall we? we? Hmm. Let's do that. Uh, Cassie Garcia, <laughs> uh, CassieForCongress.com. This one is winnable, but it requires boots on the ground and people digging. Uh, This one will be a massive, massive loss uh, and an indication of a real red wave. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Just a few minutes, I hope to uh, be able to get a hold of the uh, the uh, government accountability legal director. This guy was a. A big guy um, at the FBI. Don't hold that against him. He's on the good team now. Um, He served in the FBI as a supervisory special agent leading a large section in the FBI's Directorate of Intelligence. Uh, He's also served in the uh, Army. He led more than 300 combat missions in Iraq. Um, Rescued hostages. I mean, the guy's really solid. And there was a story that came out. Um, let's see, a couple of days ago, I think, 
that is warning about the DOJ's memo that was released. They released a summary of their comprehensive Election Day plan for next Tuesday. They said they're just wanting to ensure that all qualified voters have the opportunity to cast their ballots and have their votes counted free of discrimination, intimidation or fraud in the election process. Okay, sounds great. I'm all for it. Consistent with the longstanding Justice Department practices and procedures, the Civil Rights, Criminal and National Security Divisions are going to spearhead the effort. The plan says the Civil Rights Division will conduct monitoring in the field and that Civil Rights Division attorneys will be prepared to receive complaints that day in real time. Also, it said prosecutors at the public integrity section will be on duty while polls are open to take election integrity complaints and the DOJ is prepared to hear complaints about intimidation at the polls and practices that have a discriminatory purpose or a discriminatory result. This is absolutely incredible. This is the DOJ propping up because the fear is, is that they will um, they'll go into Republican areas and uh, really concentrate there and turn a blind eye in Democratic areas. We have him on the phone. We have Stuart Whitson. He is um, with the Foundation for uh, Government Accountability. He's their legal director, and he has been ringing the bell on this one. Tell me what this means, Stuart. Hey, good morning, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Yeah, so this DOJ press release is just part of a much bigger scheme that kind of centers on Biden's EO, EO14019, uh, which maybe we can talk about in a second. But but this press release, in a nutshell, it's basically just a thinly veiled threat to conservative states that have passed new election integrity laws, especially ones related to poll watchers. And it's basically saying look, if you try to enforce these laws, if you try to carry out you know, the poll watching activities, which everyone knows the right has been working really hard to recruit and train folks to do, oh, yeah. uh, that the DOJ Civil Rights Division is going to come after them. Um, so, yeah. So it's now, In what way? For what? It, the state is the one that makes the law. It's in the Constitution. So what are they coming after them with? Well, so what they're... <laughs> threatening, I guess you could say, is they're setting up hotlines and they're saying they're using phrases like, you know, intimidating voters um, or doing some sort of election practice that would lead to a discriminatory purpose or a discriminatory result. And basically what it is, is they're setting up these hotlines and they're inviting left wing, you know, their left wing followers uh, to call into these hotlines and file these kind of complaints. But then the DOJ Civil Rights Division, which is led, you know, obviously by political appointees of Biden, can then come in and launch investigations and try to exert pressure on these local election offices and try to discourage them from carrying out state election laws that have recently passed. And so it's basically just a way it's just one, again, one of many different things they're trying to do to try to tip the scales in favor of the left. This is it's something we're working hard to stop. Uh, you know, I, I know you were high up at one point with the with the FBI, but the FBI and the DOJ have become Gestapo light. No comment on that. 
Are you there? No, no, no. Okay. I, I mean, I think, no, so of course. So I would, so I'd say like in this, again, I'm obviously biased because I came from the FBI. Yeah. But it's like 99% of the organization are good, honest people who believe in the constitution. They've sworn to uphold and defend the constitution against all enemies, foreign domestic. And they truly believe that. But the problem is if you have weak leadership or corrupt leadership in either DOJ or FBI at the top, then that can color everything wrong. And then, and people can be allowed to do things that, you know, the rest of the organization um, would just abhor. But, but, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like really bad things happen when good men do nothing. Um, Isn't it, you know, you can't say you're just following orders. If you know that this is wrong, you need to come out and speak up against it. Don't, don't the, because I agree with you. The agents that I have ever met uh, have always been kind and, and professional and everything else. And I, I want to believe that. But the silence, you know, when you only have 25 people who are, and that's a lot, but you only have 25 people who are whistleblowers on what's going on in the FBI and the DOJ, that's concerning, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, the FBI, so for instance, I, the most, all the work I did involved international terrorism, Islamic right. terrorism. Right. And so there's large groups of the FBI and DOJ that aren't, that have no, you know, because everything's compartmented and you don't, you stay in your uh, departments. Um, but I will say, I think you point to a good point. There's 25 whistleblowers who've come forward. So people that are in a position to see things that they think are wrong are coming forward. And I think once, things go the way it looks like things are going to go with the midterm elections and, you know, Republicans gain some control in the house, the ability to utilize the oversight powers and really, you know, drive that home. That's going to be good for the American people. It's going to be, and frankly, it's going to be good for DOJ and FBI when that happens. I have to tell you Um, the, 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 the trap they're laying for the American people is just remarkable. It's very well thought out and planned. And if there isn't oversight, if we don't turn this thing around in this election and you don't get oversight from opposing parties, um, this becomes very, very dangerous for the American people. They're, they're talking about misinformation being felonies. That's yeah. not good. No, you're exactly right. This is this is a plan. But I, I got to tell you, like the Biden administration doesn't deserve all the credit for coming up with this plan. Yeah, right. This plan was actually developed and dreamed up by a left wing think tank known as Demos. And so Demos crafted a plan to issue an executive, use the power of a presidential executive order to try to exert the federal executive branch into some, into an area where it does not belong, which is the administration of elections. As you alluded to earlier, obviously article one, section four, clause one, the elections clause leads to time, places, and manner of elections to the states with limited oversight from Congress, but nowhere is the president of the United States allowed to insert himself. Correct. And that's exactly what the president is trying to do with EO 14019. And that's why FGA is working so hard to stop that effort. And so basically, I, you know, I know a lot of your listeners are going to be familiar with Zuckerbucks. Yeah. Like that's going to be something they're very familiar with. Well, this thing, we call this Biden bucks mm-hmm. because EO 14019 is, is Zuckerbucks on steroids. Right. Instead of Mark Zuckerberg, it's Joe Biden. And instead of $400 million, it is unlimited power and resources and reach of the federal executive branch led by Biden's political appointees. And so that's, that's the problem. 
Um, and so last year, we tried to get to the bottom of this, and we filed a number of FOIA requests to shed some light on the scheme right when we saw this EO come out. So the EO came out in March of 2021. Yep. And I should just say the EO, for listeners, if they haven't seen it, it orders every federal agency. So this is by ordering every federal agency to develop a strategic plan to do two things, promote voter registration and promote voter participation. So voter participation, that's another way to say that is get out the vote, right? Yep. And so it gets even worse. The order also commands all federal agencies to solicit, so to actually reach out and try to solicit and support, quote, approved third-party groups to engage in, in registration efforts and mobilization efforts on federal agency property using federal resources. Good heavens. So this, the order doesn't say, you know, who gets to decide which groups are approved. What's the criteria? All that is a mystery because the Biden administration won't disclose it. And that's what our FOIAs are trying to get at. Um, obviously, if it's being, you know, so the effort, I should say, is being led by the domestic policy advisor, which many listeners will know is Susan Rice. Um, so that doesn't <laughs> give any extra comfort yeah. to it either. Yeah. Um, and, and so obviously, so that's the key that we're trying to get to. And so basically what happened last year, we filed FOIA requests to try to get these answers. And this is going to shock you, Glenn. But the Biden administration stonewalled us. Yeah. So just ignored the FOIA request that the FOIA law doesn't matter to them, right? We're with uh, Stuart Whitson. He's with the uh, Foundation for Government Accountability Legal Director. He's been ringing the bell now for a while, and they are on top of it uh, on what uh, the administration has done with a new executive order and what the FBI and DOJ will be doing uh, next Tuesday. Um, Stuart, last night, the president said, we need to be patient for the results. He's expecting many races, he said, won't be decided or called perhaps for weeks. Is this alluding to maybe the effects of the executive order? It definitely could. And so that, but that's the whole million dollar question is no one knows. So not even over 50 members of Congress have demanded to see copies of the strategic plans created by all these agencies to carry out this order. Secretaries of state from across the country, uh, more than 13 attorney generals signed a letter demanding the rescission of the executive order. Everyone is kind of united around the fact that this order is improper. It is illegal, unconstitutional, and unethical on its face, but we can't get answers. And so that's why FGA has turned to the kind of the one source left, which is the courts, and using the power of the courts to compel DOJ and the Biden administration to comply. Um, I also think following what, you know, knock on wood, right, don't want to jinx anything, but the red wave that's going to come November 8th, I think you're going to see congressional oversight committees in a really strong position to gather evidence. And I think the other thing that's going to come is state AGs. So state attorneys general is following the midterm elections are going to be well positioned to file lawsuits to help stop this executive order. Cause, cause again, that's the big long play is going to be 2024. Yeah. I don't think they're organized enough to get all their ducks in a row in time for the midterms. Mm. I think you, there is, there are a ton of efforts that are already underway. You've seen probably reporting on that with HUD and a ton of other agencies engaging in unprecedented efforts. Um, but again, there's more at this point, we know less, uh, than we should. So we're working hard so to find out. Isn't it interesting to you? I mean, it seems completely unreasonable 
to say the questioning of our elections is somehow or another disinformation, misinformation or, you know, a felony when executive orders like this are not fully explained. When when the administration is changing things that have always been in place, isn't it unreasonable to expect that people won't have questions? Yeah, of course it is. And that's, and we, one, you know, one of the things we always say with election integrity, so obviously we're trying to make it easy to vote, but hard to cheat. But the key with election integrity isn't just stopping fraud. It's also inspiring voter confidence. Correct. And that is, really is the difference between the left and the right. The right genuinely believes that. Like they just, they want everyone right and left to wake up the morning after an election and just have confidence that whether your candidate won or lost, yep. you at least know it was fair. Right. And if your candidate lost, hey, you got to roll up your sleeves and get to work. Yep. That's the kind of world the right wants. The left doesn't want that. The left doesn't care. And so that so that's that's kind of the big difference. And so, of course, that's what they do. They vilify it. That's why they're, again, going back to that press release. They're going after poll watchers. Like These are good people, good folks who are literally devoted hours and hours of their time to take training, to get qualified in their state to serve as a poll watcher. And all they want to do is just go there to help do their civic duty, to help promote free and fair elections. And what are they doing? They're literally trying to intimidate them. And so, it, so it's unacceptable. Uh, we're going to do, FGA is going to do everything we can to stop this. And as a matter of fact, we actually filed a motion this morning uh, in federal court to compel DOJ once and for all to disclose the documents that it's withheld. So it's strategic plan. Um, so that order is now in the hands of a judge. And so because we're a Florida-based company, our 501c3, we're based in Florida, we actually have the ability to get, you know, fair judges that are impartial and mm-hmm. will apply the law. And so we have a Trump-appointed Florida-based judge who we believe is going to fairly apply the law. Um, and so we're, we're optimistic. Good. But either way, we're going to continue our fight. We're going to share everything we got with attorneys general and Congress and try to help stop this. Good. Thank you for everything that you guys are doing. Uh, I really appreciate it. We'll follow up with you after the election. The Foundation for Government Accountability. Find out more. Follow this. Stuart Whitson, the legal director. Thank you so much, Stuart. Da, da, da.